Hey, and welcome to the Neurodivergent Musician Podcast, where I explore the world of neurodiversity and musicianship. I'm your host, John Hart, along with Luna, my guitar, and today I'll be talking about building a music career. Each episode is broken up into a Traffolive format, where I'll share insights in the red section, improvised babble in the amber, and recommendations you might find handy in the green. I know firsthand the challenges and opportunities that can come with pursuing a career in music. So let's head on over to the red section where we'll go into the insights. See you then. Okay, first, let's talk about self-awareness. Knowing your strengths and limitations as a neurodivergent musician is crucial to building a successful career. Take the time to reflect on what you excel at musically as well as what areas you may struggle with. For example, you may have exceptional abilities in music theory, but struggle with social interactions at gigs or in the studio. By being aware of these strengths and limitations, you can develop strategies to work around them and make the most of your musical abilities. Another important aspect of building a music career as a neurodivergent musician is finding a supportive community. Connecting with other musicians who understand your neurodivergent experiences can be invaluable in terms of support, advice and networking opportunities. Look for local music groups or online communities that cater to neurodivergent musicians or attend events that celebrate neurodiversity in music. That's kind of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. I'm trying to build a community going forward. So if you are a neurodivergent musician, please come and join me and let me know what you think. Networking is also crucial to building a music career. However, networking events can be overwhelming for neurodivergent musicians who may struggle with social anxiety or sensory overload. One strategy is to attend events with a friend or mentor who can help you navigate the social landscape. You can also research events ahead of time and plan out which people or companies you want to connect with so you can focus your energy on those specific interactions. And when it comes to marketing yourself as a neurodivergent musician, authenticity is key. Don't try to hide your neurodivergent traits or fit into a mold of what you think a musician should look or act like. Instead, embrace your unique perspective and use it to your advantage in your music and branding. And finally, it's important to prioritize self-care as a neurodivergent musician. Pursuing a music career can be incredibly stressful and overwhelming, and it's a bit of a labor of love, and it's important to take time to recharge and prioritize your mental health. This might mean taking breaks from social media or gigs, practicing mindfulness or meditation, or seeking out therapy or other mental health support. I've had to do this myself over the last few years. I've had to strip back so many different layers, and I go through this a little bit more in the amber section. See you then.
Okay, so we're on to the amber section where I'm going to go through my improvised babble and thoughts for you. So talking about building a music career, I mean, it's gone through around the houses uh, for so many years. I finished my music degree in 2006. And like a lot of us, if we weren't going down the music teaching route or research or like my wife did with music therapy when she went to go and do a master's, a lot of us just came out and go, what are we doing? What are we going to be using this for? Some of my peers had a few ideas and they went on to, you know, become a session musician or they went into film music or, you know, they set up other companies and entertainment and things. But there was a lot of us who were like, OK, I've done this degree now. What do I use it for? And in 2007, I then started entering into the world of guitar teaching. Now, I was trying to do as many gigs and as much sort of touring as I could. It wasn't paid. I joined a rock band and uh, I mean, that was ridiculous. These guys were in their 50s. Well, two of them were. And I was like the young one in the band. And we did so many crazy things driving up from, you know, London to Hull after every gig and then went to America, got to do lots and lots of crazy things, but um, it was all free. And that's what you've kind of got to do in the early stages of your career to build up some credibility. And, you know, build up that experience. So when you do get paid, you feel your worth. But obviously that didn't bring the bread and butter home. So I went into guitar teaching and again, you know, when you go into any area of work, you're trying to navigate those seas as best you can. And I joined uh, a company in South London and a local music shop as well when I was living in Sutton. And I, I, I quickly built up to full-time uh, guitar teaching. And although it worked for my neurodivergent brain because I was able to be creative, you know, I was I was very good at teaching guitar. The problem is, is when the repetition started to kick in, when students weren't bringing in their books, they weren't turning up, they weren't practicing or they weren't they weren't even playing uh, because they took on so many other things going on in their lives. It became it became boring. And that's the problem is with, I found with the neurodivergent brain, uh, especially if you've got, you know, ADHD and other traits like that, that if there's no dopamine kick kicking in and you've got no dopamine reward, you can quickly find that your head is just going in all other places. Uh, I, I would do things, you know, I would be checking, I would be updating social media, I'd be updating my business whilst I'm trying to do this work at the same time. And on the outside, to a lot of other people, that is like, no, that's a no-no. You should not be doing that. You should be focused on this one piece of work. And or if you've got a student, focus on this student. And when those students weren't bringing things to the table, I was all over the place. So I, I really had to sort of, you know, take stock and I had to look at myself from a bird's eye point of view. And I think it's because I was doing probably 30 hours a week of guitar teaching and it was okay for a while, but a lot of us who are neurodivergent, you know, especially if you've got ADHD and things, you can struggle with your jobs. And, you know, there is 
a lot of people who go through they they either get sacked or they quit um because it's not fit to their brain and i i knew guitar teaching was and i've done it i did it for 15 years and i'm still doing it now uh, after covid but that's the problem when you when you're trying to navigate your music career with a neurodivergent brain your head is in so many different areas it's 24/7 and you can't have one area of work that will satisfy you you need to have lots of different areas that will keep you at bay but sometimes it can get very stressful when you don't have you know uh, other people helping you with that work so with my teaching i I quickly built it up to 30 hours a week and then I quickly realized after 30 hours a week when it was getting really monotonous when I was just I had a handful of students who really progressed and the others were like deadwood sometimes they wouldn't turn up they turn up late they wouldn't bring their books they wouldn't do this and that already puts you on the back foot and if you get triggered especially you know as a teacher or anyone as you you're having to suppress it but if you suppress it so much then all of the other symptoms can start flying out and you get really frustrated and i'm not a guitar teacher who gets frustrated i'm going to go through another episode with guitar teaching in more depth but i needed variety so what i did then is i then entered into the events market you know doing weddings and parties and i i used to do this with bands and i'm going to go through another episode with collaborations and working with other people because i struggled with it i really struggled with working with other band members especially they were amazing musicians but they just weren't that competent at the business side and you know i really wanted to build a music career i didn't just want it as a hobby and i sort of felt like i was a leader in so many different areas this is university bands were different but i think bands after university I really struggled with and wanted to try and keep it professional. I really wanted to hit that those heights, you know, be a band that plays at Glastonbury one day and the only way you get to Glastonbury is everybody knows their roles in the band. You're not dragging anyone to the starting line. You're all, you all know exactly where the vision's going, etc, etc. And I joined so many bands and if any of you are fans of my music, you will know the background of that. Uh, and i miss it i really do miss bands but when i went solo it it kind of got rid of the world of the musicianship uh with other musicians which i miss but it gave me back the control i needed because i've already got internal chaos i just didn't need that external chaos with other people's things going on and when i went solo i used to go out as a singer songwriter i then started going into the wedding market and I was like right actually I'm going to pigeonhole myself as a wedding musician and I got like several bookings I was you know getting 30 40 bookings a year it was going brilliant it allowed me to then strip back my teaching a little bit so I had a little bit of variety going on because you've got kind of loads of spinning plates and the wedding business then you know it became award winning and all this sort of other stuff but then you know i've said this in previous episodes it it did crash so then i had to start something else up which was the the online business now building a music career you know after i've said all that it's just there's not a one size fits all 
depending on what area you want to go into. Now, if you want to go into session work, you know, session work is amazing if you can get it. And if you can then, you know, jump on that uh, amazing artist that you're going to get a wealth full of gigs, a wealth of experience. You could be touring all the time if that's what you want to be doing. But if you want to pursue your own career in your own, you know, whether it's solo music with a band, original music, obviously you can't be doing, you know, session work like that because all of your gigs are going to be tied up with that other artist. And I had to make those decisions straight after university. I was like, what am I doing? I don't, am I going to be teaching? Am I going to be doing session work? Am I going to be doing, you know, events music? Am I going to be doing this and this and this? My head was all over the place, but I think my recommendation for that is when you start to think too much, you never do anything. So I was just like, right, just go down one route, try and get something stable as much as possible. And that was the teaching. The teaching was there, the bread and butter. I, I was able to be, you know, there with a guitar all day. So if students were practicing, I would say, to them do you mind if I just practice while you do it because most of the time it's muscle memory and then I'd hear what they played at the end of it and I asked me to play their best take and then I can give them feedback that way and I've developed my own teaching style over the years you know I've developed my own way when I go and do events and I think it's trying to put your authentic self your own identity etc etc onto all these different areas especially as a neurodivergent musician, I think you do need variety. You do need to have not just teaching, you need to be doing some gigs. You might need to be topping up online and doing this. But I think building up that support network, like I said in the insights section, is really, really vital. And I used to run all of these things myself. So I used to, you know, try and increase all my students. I used to do all the invoices, the timetables and things that were really my weaknesses. And since coming back to teaching after COVID, I've joined a few other companies who do it for me. It means that I can just turn up and teach now. And that has relieved pressure in the admin department, that invisible admin that just eats up so much of your time. And I've also done that in the events side of it. So you can then join agencies and all these other things. Now I'm trying to find it in the online world. Now the online world is, you know, it's a crazy rabbit hole that you can go into. And you're like, where do I start? Do I start on Spotify? Do I start on, you know, social media? Do I try and sell courses? Do I try and do this and this and this? And what I would say when you're navigating the offline world, I would go into teaching, session work or events and just test it out. You know, you don't know until you try it. So build up some teaching, you know, maybe do like five, 10 hours a week and see if you like it or not. Yeah, don't go straight into full time like I did because <laughs> it can drop off a cliff very quickly. And it's the same with events. Try and see if you can get yourself up to like one gig a month and test it out see if you you like it you'll you will get more money doing weddings parties and things than you will with your original stuff in the early days your original stuff is your heart the other events your weddings your parties and things are more your head that is where the business side is you need money to be able to fund your engine and machine now i'm going to go into another episode about maintaining your business uh, down the line 
I'm also going to have Andy Baker, who uh, is an amazing music entrepreneur and he's a business architect and he's going to come on as a guest and talk about online music business. And we're going to delve into lots of different worlds uh, with that. But I think, you know, building your music career, it has to feel like it fits with you. You know, you can get as much advice. My degree didn't really prepare me for building up that music career. It was very good for research and it was very good for building up lots of knowledge, but not really in the music business department. I had to learn that, you know, <laughs> the hard way in some ways. And um, I think the key thing is don't take on too much in the early days. Build up a spinning plate of like, you know, 20 to 30 hours. Once you've got that up, then you can start to build another spinning plate. Once that second spinning plate is working, you can then drop down the hours of your first spinning plate and start to sort of, you know, work on those. Maybe you can go and hire someone to help you with the admin and the marketing and sales and things as well, which, again, is another thing that you've got to learn. And it's not something that you're going to be perfect at in a year. It not, might not be five years. You know, I've been doing this since 2007 and I'm still learning every single day. And then once you've got two spinning plates, you might then think about, you know, a third spinning plate. It could be you dabble in session work. It could be that you try and figure out a way to earn money out of your original material. Now, obviously, if you went down the music industry and you try to get a record deal and you try to do all these things, yeah, that might work. But it is, you know, the odds on that happening and the fact that you are one in a sea of so many other musicians and it's a huge rat race. And if you did get a record deal, more often than not, say if they, for instance, they took on 10 artists, they would end up taking one artist out of those 10. So you could get a contract, but if you don't meet the quota of something, I think we talked about this with Andy Booth. If you don't meet the quota of, you know, 30,000 sales or whatever it is, then you can then drop off the, the record label and then you're back to square one. So I very much have gone down the route and avoided record labels and gone down the independent route because I have complete control. I have 100% royalties, et cetera, et cetera. Might not get as much as if I did have a label and I was successful, but I have better odds. And, you know, also there's no pressure. If I want to bring out an album... I can do it next year and I'm not having to go, right, meet this quota. I'm not having to do all these things. I can just take my time with it. And I feel with a music career and a music business, it's something that you've got to build very, very slowly. Now, that doesn't work sometimes with a neurodivergent brain because we want it tomorrow. But, you know, since going through crisis, since going through all those things, I've taken a back seat. I've got five albums, which I was I wouldn't have been able to achieve had I had not, you know, had my neurodivergent brain, I don't think. And I look back on all the things that I've built online and uh, I'm, I'm very proud of them. But although I achieved them, I felt like there was a lot of other negative things that around it. So I you know, put so much pressure, there was so much stress, anxiety, and put so much pressure on my family to be able to build a tour or build a, an album and then break even. And it's amazing to have those things as assets, 
but what, is it really worth the stress? So I'm changing my tactics this time and it's like a really slow burn. I'm no rush to bring out album six. I need the momentum. And I think momentum is a really, really key thing in building your music career. Now, when people start, when musicians start, they, they want it tomorrow. They, they don't want to wait another year for it to happen. And this is where they can then drop off and then they will ditch their music career and then they end up going doing something completely different. You know, they'll, I know some musicians who had a music career and then they've gone into cooking. But then they've gone into cooking and then realised that was also a rat race. That's also a lot of pressure. And then they've dropped out from that and then they've gone into something else. My advice is stay where you are, work on your strengths, outsource your weaknesses and just build up what you feel feels right to you. Don't worry about anyone else. Everyone's music career and music business is unique. I don't like to take advice. The reason for that is, is because everyone's advice they give me is subjective, unless it's factual and they've sent me a link to something. What I'd rather someone say to me is, do you mind if I make a suggestion? And then I can say yes or no. But if they just start giving me advice, it, it just doesn't hit home. And that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, I'm discarding anybody and things as well. I know what I'm talking about and I know these things take time. But I, you know, if someone says, can you give me some advice? Yeah, I can do it, but I'm just not going to dish it out. And that's kind of what I want from other people. I want to learn as I go through. And I think mistakes as well. You've got to make mistakes uh, to be able to progress. Uh, the reason is, is because the more mistakes you have, the more that drop gets uh, less deeper, if that makes any sense. So any hurdles I've gone through in my life, the more hurdles I've had, so for instance, if I went through, you know, I've gone through one of the biggest hurdles of my life and I went straight down to the bottom of the pit. I feel now I've gone down to the bottom of the pit. Anything that I'm faced with now is just like, it can't be as bad as that. And I don't, you know, again, I don't want anyone to go through crisis or anything as well. But if you feel there's sort of times where you feel like it's failed or, you know, you've made a mistake, it's just like, it's just part of the process. You know, when we're learning an instrument, you've got to make millions of mistakes to get yourself to a great musician. And if you don't accept that, then that's where you're going to drop off. So, you know, I've made mistakes live. I've made mistakes in the studio. I've made so many mistakes on the internet, in my business. I've crashed things. I've done all sorts of things. But that experience is just as important as the achievements. So if you have a good time, if you have a good day, celebrate it. If you have a bad day, acknowledge it. That's what I give with that advice. So that's it for my improvised and impulsive babble. In the green section, I'm going to go through a recommendation. See you then. Okay, so we're now into the green section where I'm going to go through a recommendation. Now, when I was building out my career, I remember distinctly from 2008, I joined a website, which is a website host and builder called Banzoogle. Now, I found with building a website online allowed me to build up my identity 
you know, very, very slowly. Because with social media, they're already formatted and you don't really own your audience. You know, Facebook owns their audience. You, you get to have likes and follows and things as well. And you can message these people, but you can't email them. They, you know, they can maybe buy products through the shop and things as well. But what I found is when I started building up my website with Banzoogle, it really allowed me to bring in my branding. So I like to work through an exercise with my students which is working out their identity before they start building their songs, before they start recording and releasing things. And I go into all sorts of things of like, you know, who are you in regards to your identity? And that can be color psychology. So I think I've mentioned this before. Different colors have different attributes. You know, I like the color blue. You know, it's loyal. There's, you know, it's got sadness. It's all all, all sorts of things. And I acknowledge these things about myself. My website is black and white, and there's lots of different attributes with that. And then I have black and white photos. Now that is, you know, wrapped up into my identity. I've got other students who might be like, you know, navy blue. And then what that allows them to do is use those attributes to work out their font, to work out the images they use, to work out the kind of photos they're gonna have, the kind of videos they're gonna have. And then it can work on the kind of music they're gonna have. Now, you might think when you're starting to create a song, oh, actually this song sounds like this color. And then it all starts to come to life. And then the titles are there, the lyrics are there. But what you're doing is you're weaving in your identity into everything you're doing. So when I mentioned in the red section about authenticity, authenticity, it also wraps up in identity. If you can identify that, excuse the pun, you are in a way, you know, a hundred steps ahead than a lot of other musicians out there because they're just fumbling through the dark. Now, I've got a few guitar students who are starting to go into music college, music university, and I want them to be equipped before they go to university so they can use their education to springboard. And then when they start their music career after that, they're going even further. They've got all of that momentum behind them and that experience, and they know exactly who they are and what their sound is. And I've talked about spices. They know their sound, their purpose, their identity, their consistency is there, their excitement is there, and they will have success. Now, I found building up a website on Banzoogle allowed me to implement all of this. So once I had all my audio files, I popped them on there. When I had all my photos, I popped them on there. Videos, bio, et cetera, et cetera. Now you can use ChatGPT to go and, you know, revise your biography, revise so many different things to, to build your website even further. And what I like about a website is it is basically your online CV. So if you're going to apply for shows, if you're going to go and apply for session work, if you're going to do teaching, if you're going to do this, you can keep it all in one place. So I've got johnhartmusic.com. I could have looked into John Hart and I could have done John Hart Guitar. But with music, it just means everyone knows what the website is. So I've got now John Hart Music as a handle on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all of them. So when I put it on a business card, you know, it's just John Hart music. And so everyone knows my name and they know what I do. And the great thing about music is, is I can introduce different musicians. I can take my music in a different direction if I want to, because I haven't pigeonholed myself into John Hart guitar or if you're a singer, John Hart singer or whatever it is. 
So those things really, really helpful. And then what I did find with building up that website on Banzoogle is once you've got a template and you've got all your assets on there, all you have to do is then just a layer on top of them, like Lego building. And then what I did then is I started to build something called sales funnels. I then started to build, uh, you know, you can get a free audio download that goes into an email sequence. Started putting merch on there. I started putting on quotes, press quotes, started putting on articles, blogs and things as well. And this is not something you do from day one. I'd start simple, just get up a one page website on Banzoogle and then branch out to other pages and stuff. But do it for the love of it. Learn to love to build your website because it's building your identity, it's building your authenticity as you go through. And that will bleed into your music because once you can see your website, and I log on to my website every day because more often than not, I can be in a dark place. And when I look at, I've put achievements onto my website, I've put all the assets on there, I go to the website, not for a, an ego trip. It's more to bring my levels up from, you know, darkness up to normal level. And then I can then look at my website and think, what else can I add to this? What else can I do to improve my music career and my music business? So that is Banzoogle. I'm going to pop a link in the description. And that's it for building your music career. I will go into another episode about maintaining your music career because now I'm hitting my 40s. I still want to advance in my music career, but I won't be doing this, you know, at mainstream level. I won't be doing this at that. I want to be famous. I'm doing this now because I want my music career to last for the rest of my life but it's got to weave into my family life and all sorts of things. And there's ways that you can do that. And there's ways you can still enjoy it without the rat race of getting a record label and more. So that is it today. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Take care.